Welcome to Behind the Brands. So, you found us. <laughs> well done, you. Our little podcast all about the fashion industry. Let me just tell you about the host and the creator of this podcast. The guy's from the UK and his name is Warren Parker Mills. Warren's literally worked with some of the best people in the business and met some incredible brands along the way. Now he feels it's time to kind of do things a little differently. He'll be catching up with amazing storytellers from across the globe as they share some of those unwritten secrets that they've managed to figure out for themselves. From brands you'll recognize to small artisan creators that have mastered their craft. You'll hear about their collections, sales, and their ongoing quest for sustainability. So if you're an aspiring designer, an influencer, or just a massive fan of listening to fascinating conversation, stay right where you are. Hello, dear listener. Welcome to episode number 28 of the podcast. Hope you're well, hope you've had a good week. Uh, my name is Warren. For anyone that's new to the show, I'm your host. And um, yeah, there's plenty of other episodes to listen to if you enjoy this one, which I really hope you will. Because today's guest is about um, a really fantastic gent. His name is Per Holknecht, and he's somewhat of an industry legend, I'd go as far as to say. He's created lots of businesses. He's also produced some fashion brands. He actually started off with a skate brand called Svea um, and he went on to um, co-found and create with a lady called Karen a wonderful brand called Odd Molly. Um, I've known Pear probably about 18 years now. I actually brought Odd Molly into the UK. Um, I was very very proud because it was great great product and um, yeah has gone on to some wonderful things. Pear himself has got amazing stories. Honestly this guy's had so many successes. He's also had some pretty tremendous lows during his career um, he's been world pinball champion he was a professional skateboarder he was married to an international jazz artist uh, he finished second place in Swedish Big Brother um, he's done it all he's had some amazing highs he's also as I say had some tremendous lows he's lost everything he's been addicted to drugs which we talk about in the interview he's even been homeless so this guy has seen the good and the bad of life in general um, I hope you enjoy this conversation. It means a lot to me, this one. And um, yeah, please take a listen, enjoy the show, and I'll see you on the other side. Take care. Hey, Pear, welcome to the podcast. How are you? How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. I have a, I have a four-year-old, so she keeps me uh, <laughs> sleeping five hours a night, but I'm good. Oh, my I'm goodness, good. mate. Oh, yeah. my God. Listen, I, I just want to say a massive thank you for joining me today, because firstly, I know you're really busy. Um, and you've got a lot going on. And I know you, you've had a, a bit of a torrid time over the last couple of months and well, over the last kind of year or so. But and we can talk about that in the interview. That's fine. If you're happy to do that. If not, we will circumnavigate it. But I, I just I just know how busy you are, Pear. And I really wanted this interview because we've known each other a long time. And, um, you know, I, I kind of, I thought about asking you many, many times to do this, this podcast and it's relatively new. So I only started last August right. and I thought, do you know what? I'm going to ask him, I'm going to ask him. And then I thought, well, I'm going to ask him that no one's ever asked him before because, you know, <laughs> you've done, you've done so many interviews, you've done so many talks, you've inspired and lectured and, and you've done so many different things throughout your career. But, 
I really want to try and find out a little bit more about you, Pear, you know, and we can talk about the business and we can talk about the brands that you've been associated with and, and the people that you're connected with, which is great. But I really want to find out about you because the more I listen to you and the more I read about you and the more I see things on LinkedIn or any of those types of posts, the fascination just gets more and more and more. And, you know, when I when I did reach out to you, and, and, and I mean this genuinely, that I thought I'll put a pretty message out to you. And I don't know if you remember your reply, but it was just literally three words. And those three words were, for you, anything. And for me, that represented just so, I mean, honestly, that really filled me up because I was thinking, this guy doesn't owe me anything. I know we worked together a long, long time ago, and we can talk a little bit about that. But that, to me, just epitomizes what you're like as a professional and also as a person. And that that really, really resonates. Let me tell you this, Warren. Um, I, I owe everybody throughout my life that has ever believed in me. Well, one of them. So I, it's, it's, it's quite easy to me. Good. I mean, that's, that's, that's so good to hear. All right. Well, listen, we got, I got loads of things that I want to talk to you about. And um, I, I just want an open, ongoing conversation. You know, I just want you to be you, which I know you will be, which is, which is brilliant. So let's take you back a little bit, Pear. Let's talk, because you're obviously in Sweden um, and you're in Stockholm now. Were you born in Stockholm or were you well, born, born elsewhere? I was born up north. Okay. Okay. And what, what took the family to Stockholm? Um, in 1980, I, I got a contract as a professional skateboarder mm-hmm. uh, in California. So I moved to Los Angeles for five years. And and, um, and from returning back home, I, I never came back to my hometown. I moved into Stockholm okay. to uh, get an education, which yeah. I did. You know, at the end of this uh, professional skateboarding career, I, I had to have a future. So I went back to school. Yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I always remember, Pear, when when we uh, the first time I met you actually was at CPH Vision in Copenhagen, and I did a I did a great thing actually. I think I went to that fair. I flew in. I got back on the same day, and it cost me seven pounds twenty the ticket. It was just unbelievable when everything was was relative, you know. And I remember the first time I saw your booth with with Odd Molly. Um, I, I kind of walked by and then I literally stepped and stepped back and looked and I thought, I've got to have a look at this product. And I went on there and I looked and I don't know whether or not you remember, but we had a brief conversation and then I said, I'll be back in six months time. And I came back in six months time and we, we managed to do a bit of a deal together for me to kind of bring it into the UK, which I was so chuffed about because at the time there was nothing like that on the market. You know, it was it was so revolutionary from a product point of view. And I also remember very, very fondly we were at, um, I think it was Bread and Butter. It was, a sh- it was a show. And I remember there was a buyer from Brown Thomas came on the booth and she said to me, do you know what, Warren? I'm so glad you invited me here. It's like the best thrift shop I could have ever walked into. And really that epitomized everything that the brand was about. And it's so weird, Pear, because... 20 years later or 18 years later, sustainability and thrifting and upcycling and everything else is so on trend at the moment. But you guys were doing it a long, long time ago. And, and I do want to talk about Odd Molly because, and anyone that doesn't know the brand, check it out and check it out what it looked like previously. Um, we can talk about that as well because it was just, it was something revolutionary at the time. But, um, but the point I was trying to make there is, 
I know you had this career as a skateboarder, but you've done lots of things, haven't you? I mean, I, I remember being in this bar with you and you said to me, um, I've, I was in the first Swedish Big Brother, I think it was, and I and I played pinball at like world champion level, and and I, it was funny because I went to bed that night and I thought either I'm pissed or Pear's pissed or I've dreamt it all, you know. I, it, your storytelling, honestly, and that's really what I want to try and get out of this interview. So I'm going to shut up. Tell us what it was like when you moved to Stockholm. Then what were you doing? What brought you down there? It was actually my mother. Um... I moved to, to to Los Angeles, and um, mm -hmm. I was actually behaving quite well. We we got drunk twice a day for a couple of years, but towards the end of my of my <laughs> career over there, I I started uh, I, I tried drugs, and uh, it took me into bad in, into bad neighborhoods quite quickly. So, on December twenty third of nineteen eighty four, I called home and I said to my family, uh, "Get me the hell out of here." Yeah. And uh, so my brother came and, and brought me home. And in the meantime, while I was flying home, my mom decided to to enroll me into education. And she uh, so I started at the Institute for Higher Marketing Education uh, in Stockholm, mm -hmm. which is probably uh, for the twisted mind that that is I was the best thing that I've ever done because it gave me a platform to work from. If, if you have a platform of knowledge and, and basic mathematics of marketing, uh, you can you can go haywild and, and, and still relate to uh, to numbers. After that, you know, it. I, I started up a skateboard distribution, made a lot of good money and had a secret accounts in Luxembourg and, and uh, just. Uh, and then I got I got too rich too early at the age of 39. I, I fucked up pretty big. Um, mm -hmm. I started uh, uh, misbehaving, which is something that people do when they earn their first big money. Yeah, uh, but misbehaving, and because people stop contradicting you, uh, and and they sort of bow to you when you're rich, and and uh, if you're not trained, that can make you into uh, an asshole. Mm -hmm. And and as I was drinking very much at the time, also, uh, and I I could afford to hide my drinking from going to exclusive bars. Um, it, it was a bad combination. So I lost everything real quick, uh, mm. overnight. I, I was uh, at a board meeting where, um, they simply asked me to sign, to sign papers to, to, for me to leave the company. And that was on, uh, November 27th of 1999. Okay. And, and, and from then on, I, I went into homelessness real quick. Wow. Okay. I was living, uh, in, in the woods, um, and being homeless in in Stockholm is okay unless it's winter time. That may, then it's tough, and it mm -hmm. was hard. Uh, and then on April fourth of two thousand, I I had two options: e either you know exit through the uh, rear door of life, or or uh, decide to come back. Wow! And I went into rehab, and and I got sober, and and my life. Uh, it's it's quite easy because I build and I tear down. I build and I tear down. I build when I'm sober. I tear down when I'm drunk, and 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 that's so easy for me to to understand today. And uh, so I I I started Odd Molly on on uh, March 25th of 2002, and we went from uh, a brief, fun little you know napkin idea mm -hmm. to uh, a turnover of about. Uh, 30 million pounds in yeah. four years. 
Wow, that's growth, yeah. And going from homelessness to be standing on Times Square in New York, watching your name on NASDAQ's list mm-hmm. only four, four or five years later, that's, that's pretty cool to have done that. Wow. Yeah, that is just phenomenal to go with that, with that amount of growth from literally from a standing start. To, to, to where you were at how did yeah. you meet Karen because because you have a fantastic relationship with that lady don't you well yeah just uh, before I forget we had 25,000 pounds to build the company from wow okay yeah that's incredible goodness but it was actually um it was at a trade show in London a fashion trade show I can't even remember what the name of it at the time mm-hmm. and I just uh, happened to be staying at the same hotel as Karen, who was also my booth neighbor, mm-hmm. another Swedish brand. Uh, I had my Swedish brand Svea at the time, a company that still does about 15 million pounds a year. Uh, so we ended up staying at the same hotel. We, we talked into the wee hours of night and, uh, you know, you, you connect and you understand that this is great. And once I got the idea to, uh, to build my own brand from a, an absence of of in, uh, ingredients in the marketplace. I needed a pencil who would understand my thoughts, and uh, she could actually draw my brain. and And I invited her to work with me. And okay, and I asked her. You know, I pretty much proposed to her. <laughs> wow! Uh, you know, corporate proposal. And uh, she said to me, "You know, uh, Per, um, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't even know who the fuck you are." <laughs> do this okay <laughs> i love that i love that and how did you kind of formulate the idea i mean did was it quite um how can i put this was it quite organic the way the brand's kind of dna developed because it had a really strong kind of feel to it how did you or was that pre-planned how did you work that through the brand came out of uh, once more me taking notice of what's going on around me Mm-hmm. And I was living with my daughter and my wife at the time and also my mother. And I saw how media and, and the fashion industry uh, affected my three generational women. And, and I saw bad things coming out of it because uh, what fashion media did uh, was to make women feel inadequate. Mm-hmm. So I decided to, I have to, I have to make build a brand that makes everybody uh, included. Yeah. So I, what I did is I went out on the town with uh, paper and pencil and I asked 1,000 women. Wow. 1,000 women, which I thought were, were between 18 and 65 years old. And I said, if you were to identify yourself with one of these two, fashion or clothing, which one attracts you the most? And when 93% said they were interested in clothing and dressing, and 7% said, I'm interested in fashion. And all what fashion media did was talk to these 7%. Yeah, yeah. And nobody spoke to the 93. I I, I very early understood that it's going to be very easy to give them a compliment, make them feel all right, you know. Yeah. And, And I wrote the... The sentence, you are perfect only because you are not. 
and that's sort of how we built it you know the perfect defect and all of that stuff yeah we, yeah 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 it was a lovely brand you know and i, I remember with with grand fondness actually getting my samples through and and kind of talking them through and, and looking at the product and, the, and all the little messaging and and just the way that you guys kind of operated and the and the, the sentiment behind the whole brand, you know, even on the stand, I remember loads of roses and I remember, I remember a little campaign that, that you kind of put together where it, every buyer, all the, the, the invitations were all handwritten, but they would drop on a certain amount of time. You know, there was things like that. I just thought it was almost so before it's time and everyone now is trying to re-engineer that in a certain way. Yeah. Um, but it just seemed so natural at the time, you know, it, it was natural because, um, and um, I mean, what we did, there, there, there was no chance in our success. There was only one piece of chance, uh, luck. Mm -hmm. uh, one like for us, that's when we started looking for production, me and Karen. Because when you come to a, a factory and say, would you please uh, uh, knit us 12 sweaters? They're not going to listen to you mm -hmm. unless they believe in you like you did in us. And so we had to look around and, and we had this pricing idea. You know, you have the, the Philip Kotler's five piece. And and uh, we had this pricing idea of where we wanted to be, and we could only find a factory that actually built all the product for for Ralph Lauren uh, that said to us, "We we'll, we believe in you. We will build your small volume, but your prices are going to be fifty percent above what you wanted." Mm -hmm. that, that was our only lucky strike. Okay, because if we would have reached the price level that we wanted, uh, we would have attracted so much competition. And, and uh, a little wow. bit higher, we eliminated all the competition. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. So that would that the rest of it was just pure skill, and, yeah. and we decided to not be um, perfect. We decided mm -hmm. to to work by hand, to write by hand, and 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 the company was built on postcards written by hand. Everything was just handmade. The clothing was pretty much all handmade, and the communication was handmade. And we, yeah, and uh, and we packaged it. It, you know, we. I wanted a fast entry because we had so little money that we had to turn this money real quick. Mm -hmm. So I had to pack it. I had to package the brand with a lot of signals. So, so, you know, if you want to build a long-term brand that's going to last forever you want to be subtle. If you want to bring a, a fast uh, fast entry to the market, you have to be loud. And and uh, so, you know, if you take a, like a sweater, for instance, you know, how if you hang it sideways, uh, there's going to be a shoulder on the sweater heading into the store. So I had mm -hmm. to put something on the shoulder. We made a, a seasonal, you know, you could understand what collection it was from the symbol on the shoulder. Mm -hmm. um, and when we just, you know, put a hang tag on and I wrote a little sentence inside of every garment, I have written about, uh, I think, 1,700 small sentences <laughs> wow. or, or embroidered inside the clothing. And it was just simple little stuff that said, come mess my hair up. Yeah. And <laughs> just stuff like that that made people, you know, smile a little bit. And we had all the article numbers on the inside of the, of the you know, we made a, a, some panties, uh, and and on the inside of them, I, I printed, hello, I am dried ink and I am touching your butt. And <laughs> just, just, you know, stuff that would pay, make people not take us. I love when you don't take yourself seriously, but when yeah. you 
when you do something, you do it seriously. Yes. Do it seriously. Don't take yourself seriously because that's one of the two ingredients that are the most attractive to the customer today. The other, the other uh, ingredient is courage. Mm-hmm. If you sell courage and self-distance, you will bond with a customer if you do it as a human, not as a thing. Yeah. Human relations last. Title relations don't. Mm-hmm. You have to make emotional connections and blah, blah, blah. Your question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is great to hear you, Pear, talking so um, eloquently about the psychology behind it all, because it is, and we don't realize it as consumers. You know, we don't realize it. It isn't complicated because what we do, we think too much. We don't feel enough. We just think too much. Yeah. And if we just sort of take notice and, and understand and go into ourselves and feel what's going on, that then we're going to reach out. Mm. And what was the turning point? Was there a particular time where you kind of looked at Karen and you went, I think we're on this. I think we think yeah. this is going to fly. Yeah, it was the first time ever we delivered uh, boxes of clothing. And uh, we uh, dropped off at uh, a shop in Stockholm. It was the first delivery ever. It was called ETC, as in etc. And we were driving off to an island for the box number two. We couldn't afford postage. So we, we took Karen's old Toyota with a screwdriver and the radio, and we drove around <laughs> the boxes. And driving off to drop boxes, uh, delivery number two, shop number one, ETC called and said, I want more. And, and he said, uh, it's selling out of the boxes. Wow. And I, and I said to him, I said, no, it isn't. You're selling out of the boxes because we had massaged him for so long with the campaigns that he loved the brand before he opened the boxes. Yeah, yeah. So when they wow. said, um, we want more, I looked at Karen. I said, we got this. We fucking got this. And, <laughs> and number number two was, um, actually, was actually when we, my first goal was to see a, a stranger wearing our clothing. Yeah. Just, you know, first you give it to family and friends and blah, blah. But the first time we saw, uh, 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 we were taking a walk on an island on a Sunday and, uh, we, we saw a woman uh, with a, a stroller and a baby. And uh, that was also one of those huge moments, you know. Mm. And and the first time Liana from Germany came into the booth and, and uh, in Copenhagen, we, had, we we could afford six square meters. Yeah. So what I did, I, I projected car chases with Steam McQueen and stuff on the walls in a women's clothing booth. I mean, it's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> And she came into the booth and she goes, this is our first international contact. And she says, I want to work with this in Germany. And we said, you know, so who are you? And she goes, I'm Leanne from Germany, blah, blah. I just drove my mom's car up. And and we said, um, so you have a, an existing distribution network in Germany then, don't you? And she goes, no. But you have experience in sales? And she goes, No. <laughs> And so we asked her, so why should we work with you? And she says, because I love this. Yeah. And I looked at Karen, should we do this? And she goes, sure. We gave her we gave her uh, a break. Ever so soon, she had like 200 stores in Germany. Yeah, amazing. I mean, again, that gut decision, you know, that gut feeling is, is something that you probably used a lot, as we all try and do. Um, and very often we can get a little bit confused, can't we? We're trying to work it out too much, you know, trying to put too much thought behind things sometimes. Um, just on that point of you seeing it 
on a person, which must be amazing for any designer to, to, to actually you. see that product. Yeah, I bet you do. How do you feel when you go into the malls now and you go into an odd Molly store? Uh, you know, it's it's been nine years since I since I uh, quit. I quit in 2012. Um, after the company went public, we had an external uh, board and, and all of that stuff. And, and that sort of uh, destroyed the company in my eyes. They didn't understand the brand and they wanted to commercialize it, make it into H&M. And, and, and uh, so I, we, me and Karen, we just decided to, to, to jump ship. I'm, you know, when I see it today, I'm still proud. Uh, as a public person in Sweden, people recognize me. Mm-hmm. Um, they still connect me with the brand. So I'm concerned that they still do the right thing because when people look at it, they think about me. And if they fuck up, they think about me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm very proud. I'm extremely yeah. proud. Yeah, yeah. And what about what about your career then? So you obviously you 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 obviously the acquisition turned about that happened, and then you were back to this kind of nomadic guy who just thinking what what can I do next? What was your mind like at that point, Pear? I take it as it comes along. I wake mm-hmm. up in the morning. You know, we wake up thirty thousand times. That's how many breaks we get. So mm-hmm. I'm not worried. I'm going to wake up and find it and. Um, but then I had 30 years in fashion, and I've just sort of figured that's going to be enough. I, yeah. I, cannot, I cannot stay on one track throughout my life because then I'm just going to limit the result of, of it all once I, once I die, which I'm going to do pretty soon, I guess. I'm fucking 61 years old. Wow. <laughs> you don't look it. Right, right now, I'm in the process of starting up my business number 42. Wow. Okay. Okay. And what, what will that look like? What's that going to look like, Pear? If you've been going through hardship, uh, you understand the value of life turning around for the better. And having lived truly homeless and uh, having um, a history of deep, hard alcoholism and as a compulsive gambler, I have met tragedies. I've been to hundreds of funerals. Mm-hmm. As a result of of uh, being born with the uh, unlucky number, uh, so I've decided to turn around. You know, the old capitalism of the world was all about maximizing profits. Um, if so, environment or people had to pay for it. It didn't mm-hmm. matter. You have to maximize. And now, for the future, um, the future capitalism is within doing good things for us and for the environment and for people and earning money from that. So that's what I decided to do. I gave out, I gave out a book that came out last November called The Money Fest. Um, and it's all about the fourth industrial revolution, which which talks that talks about um, doing great things. And that's the new business. you got to do great things for, for, for us. Mm-hmm. Now, now what I do is after the pandemic, after COVID-19, uh, Sweden has now 600,000 people in deep debt. And we have companies going under. And with companies going under, people will also. Now we're down to, uh, you know, uh, to the last pennies. And mm-hmm. so I'm building today a, a, a digital uh, fintech product that is going to help people in financial debt to get back on track, to find a, a, a decent way back to life. 
Wow, that's incredible. That is incredible. In fact, I've had lots of conversations with people over the last couple of months about, you know, there is this train on sustainability and, you know, looking after the planet, which is absolutely so, so, so important, especially with the the IPCC um, report that came out a few weeks ago. But, you know, I think one of the things, and, and I completely get where you're coming from, actually, because the sustainability of people is actually really really important especially in our industry and i know you i know you're not going to work particularly in the fashion industry but um you know there is a lot of deadlines there's a lot of burnout there's a lot of pressure there's a lot of unsociable hours there's a lot of stress um and that's go on sorry it's funny that that's become uh, the topic of today because i'm a public speaker back home and uh, i've been so for the past 20 years and i was I don't know how many awards I won as a public speaker. And mm. already like five years ago, I, I I started talking about human sustainability. So that's been my main topic for the past five years. And now mm. they talk about it. So I'm I'm happy that I was early on to that ball. Yeah, yeah. No, you seem to be above the curve on most things, to be perfectly truthful with you. But um, yeah, that's... Yeah. That's and, and will that be a global thing? Will you will you obviously run it from Sweden, but you'll you'll be hopefully changing and touching people's lives all over the world, or will you concentrate just in Sweden at the time? Well, right now we're working within the EU as okay. all of what I do is do you know what GDPR is? Yeah. Yeah. So so thanks to GDPR, which mainly means that information about me may be with my bank, mm-hmm. but I own it. Yeah. So I have the rate the right to claim my, my information from any, uh, you know, c- collectors or whatever. So everything that we do now is based on GDPR. So we're going into the, into Germany and Denmark and so forth, but it's a big business. It's, it's the biggest business of my life by far. And when, when will you go live with that? When do you think that will happen pair? September 1st. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Do you know what is really interesting is your date recollection is unbelievable i mean i've never met anybody that is so precise with the dates that you kind of come out you know when you talked about your history it's like this date this date this date i'm possessed with numbers warren okay, <laughs> okay. i i don't know if anybody besides me you know i i flew, I flew from new york to to las vegas and i counted twenty one thousand six hundred seconds backwards from start to landing. <laughs> that's insane you can ask me about any stairs within the city of Stockholm, and I can tell you how many steps. Wow, that is unbelievable. Mind you, we did have a quick conversation before, and one of the questions, because I was going to talk more about you growing up and what you were like I don't as a know, kid. I don't know if that's good or bad. No, well, <laughs> no one's going to judge you. I'm certainly not going to judge you. Negotiations. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, you know, you. I think maybe – because you said you were never into music, didn't you? And you kind of, why is that? Why were you never into that? Well, I was for a while, but music wasn't music to me. I was into punk rock for a while, into hardcore mm-hmm. punk But that wasn't like, you didn't sing along, you know? It was more of a, a an expression, aggression, expression. and, and yeah. uh, But ever since, no, I, I passively listen to music. You can't avoid it. Yeah. But, I, I haven't bought or consumed music in oh thirty years. It distracts yeah. me from reality. No, that's interesting because there is a lot of talk at the moment about virtual reality. What's your thoughts on the metaverse and us living this kind of parallel life between reality and virtual reality? 
you know, I'm, I'm too old to answer that question. I'm a really old person. You know, I, I, I still believe, you know, Abba, Abba were singing. I stare at the phone on the wall. To me, that's not strange. But to kids today, that's a fucking weirdo. So I'm, I'm too old to understand all this new stuff. I still haven't made an Excel sheet. I still haven't made a PowerPoint of my life. No, I'm, I'm so technically, you know, thumb in the middle of my hand. But I have people understanding it for me. Yeah, well, that's useful. That's useful. I'm just intrigued. Have you written an autobiography, Pear, or not? It came out ah. in 2014. Okay, okay. I just happened. That was not a plan to have it. It was just right here. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I, I sell books all the time, so I was signing it today. Yeah, yeah. And what about a movie? Could you consider yourself in a movie or not or your story? I've been asked, but... I don't think it's a great idea overseas. It's just, you know, in Sweden, it would probably work. But uh, internationally, no, I don't think so. Do you not? Do you not think your story is worthy? I certainly do. It is, is you know, it's beyond crazy what's been going on. It is beyond crazy. Yeah. And when you talk about it, it's like, I don't believe them. You know, when they talk about me, is that because I don't remember things besides dates. (laughs) And stares. (laughs) Yeah, and I think it's my my uh, subconsciously uh, my 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 defense that makes me forget painful periods of my life. Yeah, because it's been hard. It's been very hard. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I've been in castles and I've been without a you know key. And what what what's it been like during COVID? I mean, I know it's been tough for for everybody. How have you um have you kind of kept yourself busy? I was very unlucky because some people were in industries that profited from COVID. Mm-hmm. And I, I had two two companies that uh, uh, didn't. They were the, the worst possible. One of them makes interior for hotels. Mm-hmm. And the hotel's investments in, in the pandemic were zero. So I had, you know, millions in orders and I had to just tear up. And then actually I have a, 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 a jacket company. Okay, uh, but the good thing about these companies is that I don't have um, fixed cost, so I can just push put them on hold. So I put them on pause. Mm-hmm. But and then I I I, um, I started drinking in 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 March. After uh, four years of sobriety, and I was drunk for three hours before I had to quit, because mm-hmm. I got caught drunk driving uh, very early on. Thank God. Mm-hmm. And, and so I lost my license and then I got into a personal crisis and I lost my my wife. And uh, I recently, a week ago, lost my dad. And uh, yeah, it's been hard. It's been wow. tough, 18 months, but, but I'm here. Yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that. That's, um, that's that's yeah, you are. You're here and, and you're still with us, thank goodness. And um, okay, so let's let's change it a little bit. I, mean, I want to talk a little bit more about... Um, the future because we're all that's what it's all about you know so you've got you've got this business that you're going to go forward have you got any travel plans are you are you planning to do anything kind of traveling wise when you can me and uh, one of my partners in my new business we had rented a house in key largo florida for uh, the entire upcoming december mm-hmm. and we just had to cancel it and every year for the past 15 years i've rented the entire january a, a house on the beach in los angeles Hmm. That is so fucking expensive that I, I um, in order to afford it, I invite entrepreneurs that I don't know from LinkedIn. So we sort of live together in this entrepreneurial house <laughs> with, 
six bedrooms and I meet strangers and we switch every week. And it really turns into magic what comes out of that house. That's amazing. That is incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. That's a business in itself. Not that you probably want it as a business, but... but my, my, my plan was to move to Los Angeles ever so soon. Mm-hmm. But, uh, after my divorce and with a four-year-old daughter, it's not going to work. Yeah. Well, unless, of course, I make huge amounts of money from my new business, which I may, then I'll buy a house also for my ex-wife. Right. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah, because you've, you've done a lot in the States, haven't you, over the years? You know, you've got a lot of ties over there. It's my second home. And, yeah. I, you know, I moved. I, I, my, my, me going from a boy to a man was in Los Angeles. So it has a huge uh, part of my backbone and my mm. heart. Mm. And just on that point there, Pear, so remember those heady, wild days when you're a skateboard guy. What kind of, um, what kind of future did you think you were going to have? Did you have any idea of what you'd be doing? You know, before I turned uh, professional as a skateboarder at the age of 20, I had already started four companies. And uh, so I, I, I kind of knew that my future was into uh, building things from my own mind. And, um, and, um, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm skateboarding has played a huge role in my life because it was in a way anarchic. It, it was um, obnoxious. It was heartful. It was a community of people taking such good care of each other because we mm-hmm. didn't fit into the system. So we built a community of, loving one another, taking taking care of troubled children. But it also shaped us for the future into be loving people that question stuff. And that is sort of what made my brand building so special. Yeah, yeah. And also the element of being knocked down and getting back up again, I suppose. You know, that that resilience and the community and everything that goes with it. But now, you know, now I'm at the age where I'm like... I don't know if I have the uh, strength to come back once more. So I'm going to have to stay afloat this time. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Well, listen, we've covered lots of subjects. Um, thank you for being so candid, Pear. And I knew I, w- I would get everything from you um, because you're that type of guy. Um, honestly, I know you've been through the mill and you know, I, I'm ju- I just want to thank you because honestly, I, I really respect you. I always have. I've always watched you from afar career wise. And um, I just want you to do well. And, I, and, you know, I just want you to continue what you're doing because what you do is brilliant. Um, and I'm sure you will. You just need to get through this next patch, I suppose, and uh, and move on. I would like to say thank you, Warren, because I don't take those as uh, empty words. I, I take them as you as if you really mean it. So it means a lot to me. Thank you. No problem. I do mean it. Listen, high five. <laughs> um, good luck to you, my friend. And um, thank you I'm again, Pear. And uh, to, to pick my little daughter. Karma. You go. You give her a big kiss. You give her a yeah. big kiss. All right, my friend. Thank you, my friend. I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Cheers, man. Bye bye. So that was Pear Holtknek. Hope you enjoyed that, dear listener. And um, I just wanted to kind of spend a couple of minutes just talking a little bit about that interview because I kind of came off that call and I just wanted to kind of express a couple of thoughts that raced through my head after that conversation. There was a few things that Pear came out with there. One of them was this kind of example, shall we say, of resilience. 
And just that ability just to get knocked down and get back up again and get knocked down and get back up again. And actually, that is what our industry is all about. In fact, that's what life's about. But in essence, that's exactly what we do when we're creating or working with a fashion brand. Um, The other thing that came through was Pear's gift of time. And time is a commodity that we all, all of us need to really dig deep to find. Um, And that's for ourselves and it's for those people around us. And dear listener, I would love you until we meet next time to take a moment um, just looking at your own resilience and managing your own resilience and also appreciating how you're spending your time. Anyway, enough of the philosophy. I'm going to crack on and get another episode recorded. I'll see you soon. Take care. Behind the Brands was brought to you in association with beforestores.com. Go check it out. You can discover new brands, meet the makers and their products before they go into stores. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to leave us a review. We'd really appreciate your feedback. You can also subscribe for future episodes by tapping the follow button wherever you get your podcasts. So, until next time, keep learning, keep listening, and keep creative.